Welcome back to Kvetching on the Couch, a podcast where we host a weekly conversation about mental health topics through a Jewish lens. I'm Ash, I use they, she pronouns, and I'm an eating disorder and trauma therapist specializing in the Jewish community and weight stigma. I have lived experience of an eating disorder and childhood trauma, and I do community advocacy work for the Jewish community and fat positivity. And I'm Laura, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a mental health and suicide prevention advisor to high schools with a professional background in special education and equity work. My personal background is in fighting anti-Semitism, advocating for fat and body liberation, and eating disorder and addiction recovery through the lens of my personal experience. Let's roll the intro. Today, in honor of our 18th episode recording, we will be talking about Jewish joy. In Jewish tradition, Chai represents life, and we thought that this would be a great time to focus on Jewish joy. And we're so excited to be joined by our guest today, Karen Cinnamon of Your Jewish Life. Uh, We know that she'll be providing tons of insight on the subject, and we can't wait on ASAP. As a reminder, if you are listening live and there is a topic we're speaking on that resonates with you, please feel free to request to hop on the show with us. And a content warning, even though we'll be talking about Jewish joy today, we may end up uh, discussing some triggering information. So please be cognizant of your well-being and take breaks if you need them. As always, please remember that this podcast does not take the place of medical or mental health care from a clinician or provider. Reach out to professionals if you need support. Before we bring Karen on, I just wanted to check in. How are you doing, Ash? I'm doing all right. Um, You know, current events are are weighing somewhat heavy on me, but... Mm. Personally, I'm, I'm doing okay. My partner's away, so I've been kind of manning the house by myself, which has been kind of a lot, but, you know, he's coming back today. So mm. <laughs> what about you? I'm glad you'll have that company back. Um, yeah, I mean, things are hectic over here, honestly. Um, hectic at work. Um, mm. The new cycle weighing very heavily on me for um, personal reasons, but it's also related to the work that I do. So mm-hmm. um, just personally and professionally, lots going on, lots of family stuff and the joys of planning a wedding, which mm-hmm. uh, Karen, I will say, has been uh, just very, very helpful with immediately. Um, no regrets about joining her mm-hmm. um, community for Jewish brides and about Jewish weddings. So I'm sure we'll get to chat about that today. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce Karen and then we can bring her on. Karen Cinnamon has been dubbed the Oprah of Jewish joy and the queen of Jewish positivity as the founder of your Jewish life, the premier podcast, Instagram account, and weekly newsletter for Jewish and Jewish millennials. Karen reaches and positively impacts over 1 million users every week. Additionally, she's the founder of Smashing Life, the fastest growing community for Jewish women in the world, and Smashing the Glass, the world's biggest Jewish wedding platform. Featured in numerous publications, such as the New York Times, Mail Online, and on BBC World News, and with offices in New York City and London, Karen and her team create warm, inclusive, empowering communities for like-minded Jewish women to learn, grow, and support one another, and build the joyful Jewish life they want on their terms. Welcome, Karen. Hey, Ash and Laura, this is so fun. I'm delighted to be here. 
We're so we are glad thrilled to have, to you. have you on. Yeah, thank you for for giving us your time. We know you're very very busy, so. This is so, this is honestly such an honor and I just, um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but because we shared such an incredible experience together a few months ago, just even having this touch point a few months later is Mm -hmm. so thrilling. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, obviously, you know, I do hope that we get into, you know, how we met and, and some of the stuff that you and Laura have talked about around wedding planning, because I think both of those are really great examples of Jewish joy. Um, mm. And also, uh, we like to uh, ask our guests as a lead in question, you know, how did you get into this kind of work? And in your case, Karen, you know, doing Jewish wedding life, doing do- Jewish joy, um, you know, how did you come to that? Well, it certainly wasn't part of the plan, as most kind of big, big things in life never are. Um, What happened was, so my background career wise is design and branding. I ran my own um, design and branding identity company and I was engaged to be married in my late 30s. Really excited. Um, Couldn't wait to sort of get stuck in and and get planning a, a wonderful Jewish wedding. But there was nothing around me that spoke to me as a modern Jewish woman. I felt very excluded from the mainstream wedding industry. There was nothing kind of in the Jewish spaces that really spoke to me. This is back in 2012, 2013. And and so just after I got married, I happened to be soon on maternity leave. And I thought, oh, I'm going to fill that gap that I felt was missing when I was planning my wedding on maternity leave, keep my brain ticking on maternity leave. And I started smashing the glass, which was basically the wedding blog, Instagram account, YouTube channel that I wish I'd had access to when I was wedding planning. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be a fun project during maternity leave, but it, it sort of really took off really quickly. It was evident that people around the world also felt this was needed Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it was, it w- I could turn it into a business as well with advertisers who wanted to get in front of this wonderful audience. And it just, it just was amazing. So it is sort of that took off. Um, and, and smashing the glass is very much about your Jewish wedding, your way, you know, have those beautiful traditions, but make them your own. If there's a tradition that doesn't resonate. You don't have to include it. If there's something if you're marrying someone of another faith, let's fuse those traditions and make something beautiful. So that that, that was sort of the attitude. And when mm. couples were getting married, having benefited from smashing glass during the planning, they were like, Karen, what's next? We want you to do something in the lifestyle space. Mm. And I wasn't wanting to go into that space. I thought it was very saturated and I really wanted to stay really good at just doing that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit in 2020, weddings got cancelled and everyone needed online community. And I was like, okay, I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going to start this, this sort of spin-off brand to Smash in the Glass. And Smash in the Glass is your Jewish wedding your way. And this new brand I felt should be your Jewish life your way. So it's your Jewish life sort of for short. And of course, especially because it launched during the pandemic when everyone needed it more than ever and the rise, sadly, in anti-Semitism, it really, really took off. Um, and now, gosh, it's almost it's almost two years in September will be two years. And I'm very happy to talk about what, what how it's grown in the two years. But that's sort of the nutshell, sort of how we got to, to where we are today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great. I mean, I, I, I think... A lot of people, I mean, Laura, you yourself, your platform mm-hmm. took off during the pandemic too. And, and that wasn't my experience at all. I, you know, I've been on Instagram for a while and 
We've been growing very, very slowly for a long time. Um, but it's really cool to, to see people, you know, take it, you know, obviously the pandemic was is and was awful for a lot of people. And there were maybe some silver linings or some opportunities that people have taken. And I think, you know, your, your business is a really great example of that, Karen. Um, yeah, it was just absolutely. about sort of thinking, hang on a sec, um, wedding, pushing out a wedding platform is, yes, what we did do with Smashing the Glass was, was help, you know, all those desperate couples who having you know postponements and what do we do and how you know that was a real need but beyond that it was like what you know there's no point kind of putting your your square business in around round hole like what do people need right now and i just think anyone in business you have to constantly kind of change change your thinking and keep keep thinking what do my audience need from me right now that's what i need to to to, to create or pivot or whatever it was and I think yeah pivot was the buzzword of the pandemic in terms of Mm -hmm. business (laughs) yeah and I I really love the the highlight that you have on your way you know your wedding your way your Jewish life your way and I think that really ties nicely into Jewish joy because you know one of the things that we talk about here because you know we've talked about Jewish joy on and off throughout this you know season um is that Jewish joy looks different for everybody and that's mm-hmm. okay. And, and that's how it should be, right? That's how we find joy is by making it fit for us. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it is all about finding the elements of your Jewishness that spark joy for you. And it is going to be different for everybody. And then sort of sharing that joy with others or sort of leaning deeper into it, or, you know, that's where you feel that Jewish pride that's going to diminish all that sort of shame that we're made to feel as Jews. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's just so powerful. And yeah, it wasn't until I started the Your Jewish Life, um, Your Way platform that I realized what I've been doing all along with Smashing the Glass was Jewish joy. And I was like, well, I'm in the lifestyle space. I was about the joy. And I was like, oh my goodness. But actually I've been doing it since I started because that's what Jewish weddings Mm -hmm. are. Yeah, it was a real like epiphany moment. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Right. And I will say, you know, just as somebody who is, I guess, on the inside now of Karen's um, community, uh, smashing the glass and like accessing those resources and the way that you do um, engage with your community outside of your public spaces like Instagram and um, TikTok, but in, you know, the Facebook groups that you run and manage, you're doing much more than like universal messaging that even the way you've designed um, the experience of being a member of one of your communities is um, it's appealing to people who are planning a Jewish wedding that is um, more religious in nature where two Jews are getting married. There's um, information on, gay weddings on interfaith weddings that um to incorporate jewish tradition and jewish meaning in whatever way works for you as a couple whatever feels true for the couple i found that really beautiful and i see it reflected across all of your platforms and all the spaces that you're in and that you run um and it was something that was you know frankly very much what i was looking for as someone who is marrying a non-jew um, but has very strong feelings about Jewish tradition and the ways I uphold it and what that means to me. Um, 
and has a partner who wants to help me uphold it, but doesn't necessarily have the foundation to know where to start. So I just think that I just wanted to name that, you know, I think that you do this in a way that taps into the inherent connection that we all have to Jewish joy in before we necessarily understand it or have named it for ourselves. I think that's a very cool thing. That's frankly, very unique to what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's inclusivity is, is, is is joy you know there's nothing joyful about saying well you can be part of this but you can't because you're doing you know Mm -hmm. it's it's about embracing and again it's the your way like who am i to Mm -hmm. disrespect your choice you know it's beautiful it's wonderful let's make it let's make it amazing and let's let's make it as as jewish as you want it to be as not jewish as you want it to be it's okay you know it's more another sort of thing that i've coined since I've started Smashing the Glass many, many years ago, never mind since the Your Jewish Life days, is all my platforms and no judgment zones because there's too much judgment around, unfortunately, within Jewish spaces. And I think I'm sure maybe it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you choosing to marry a non-Jewish partner, you maybe were concerned if in case there would be any judgment or maybe I'm saying something that's not true, but from what you're saying, like, and, and that just... That just shouldn't, you know. It th- mm-hmm. there are spaces that make people feel feel like that, and um, one of the from the very beginning when I started smashing the glass, one of my most the most important thing, one of the things I definitely wanted to do was to create a space on the website that was specifically for interfaith Jewish weddings because I saw a lot of my friends um, having mixed faith planning, trying to plan mixed faith weddings. And they literally had no blueprint of a ceremony or anything. (laughs) And I wanted to make sure that there was like real weddings that you could, you know, look and see how someone did it, you know, and you you just want to see what's possible and then do it your way. So it's always been there from sort of day one to, yeah, it's like at the end of the day, it's just about making it a really helpful, beneficial resource to every Jewish person planning a wedding or non-Jewish person planning a Jewish, sorry, a non-Jewish person marrying a, a Jew. Also, that's supposed to be very helpful for them. So, yeah, I think I think inclusivity is Jewish joy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I frankly feel like that's reflected outside of, you know, wedding spaces, but across Jewish communities in general that for my entire life, I, you know understood that we were supposed to invite non-Jews to the table to, you know, Mm. just commune with us and um, learn. And as long as that, as long as Jewish spaces were led by a Jew, um, this is not meant to be a commentary on, you know, Christmas (laughs) and the like. As long as Jewish spaces and Jewish ritual and Jewish traditions are being led by a Jew, there is absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, it is encouraged to include non-Jews in Jewish joy and in Jewish tradition and um, to tell our stories. And, Mm. um, you know, people who convert to Judaism are as much Jews in the eyes of Jewish law as um, someone born into Judaism. And I think it's another way of inclusivity, though there's definitely conversations to be had about, um, you know, different ways to uh, enter the Jewish community and different beliefs that people hold. But this isn't that space. But I just think that it's very, very cool 
um, to me to see that that inclusivity reflected as as a Jewish ideal, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely thought it was so needed when I when I launched Smashing the Glass back in 2013 um, to have you know not to to have that inclusivity element. And besides, just even for Jewish couples, there was just nothing, you know, there was something mm. or other in the mainstream, but I certainly didn't feel there was enough. I never, I never thought to think about having a beautifully designed ketubah because I didn't know it was possible. I didn't mm. think I could smash a glass as well as my partner because I didn't know it was possible. So mm. it's, 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 you have to see it sometimes to know what's possible. And that's, again, what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And then it kind of spin, spills over even wider with a, with a lifestyle brand as well, your Jewish life. Absolutely. And I mean, I know we are coming up on Shavuot as a holiday this weekend and um, I'm someone who very much engages with Jewish joy through food as a, like, as a method of accessing, um, just tradition and feeling and tapping into different pieces of Jewish joy. There's mm. inherent joy for me in making, you know, traditional foods that my grandmother made, that my great grandmother made that, you know, they made in that kitchen where my grandmother taught me to make it. Like there is so much joy in that. I think it's so, so yeah. beautiful. Yes. Um, and Shavuot is, um, for anyone who doesn't know, a holiday on which we engage with Jewish joy through eating a lot of dairy, um, <laughs> which is a funny one because a lot yeah, of, a lot, a lot of Jews are at lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do think that's quite funny. Um but yeah, no, a lot of Jewish joy coming my way this weekend through cheese boards and cheesecake. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, on our Instagram account, it can be mistaken sometimes for a food account because so many of our posts <laughs> are around food. Definitely Jewish joy and food. Um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's so many ways to, to ex- experience Jewish joy. In fact, I just, I just um, created a little list called... Um, 30 ideas for Jewish joy, because there's just so many different things, you know, it's so much about, you know, the values, it's about the home, it's about the books on your bookshelf, and they don't have to be what you consider, you know, the old musty Jewish books, you know, <laughs> could be like an amazing Ottolenghi cookbook, or some, you know, really witty novel with, with, with a Jewish character that you resonate with, you know, it doesn't, it, again, it's your, your way, but there's just so many different ways, you know, tzedakah, values, listening Absolutely. to this podcast, you know, today, <laughs> listening to your podcast. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, yeah. Um, so many ways. And it does, unfortunately, in this day and age, the Jewish joy sometimes gets drowned out by by all the all the tension and, and, and you know, sadness and right. difficult stories in the Jewish news, you know. So that's why we Absolutely. try to really shine the Jewish joy light. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. And I think there can also be, as we've seen, you know, kind of a... Um, a stifling of Jewish joy in the current Mm, climate mm -hmm. that sometimes Mm -hmm. Jews just expressing Jewish joy is seen as a radical or political act or a statement. statement. Um, And it isn't. Um, There are definitely perversions of Jewish customs and things that happen in Jewish spaces that are unacceptable and are 
condemned or called out by a lot of Jewish people because they are not Jewish joy. They are not um, Jewish values in line, right? They're not in line with our values. So there are definitely things that happen, but Jews expressing Jewish joy and engaging with um, our culture, our customs, our traditions is not a political statement um, Mm -hmm. and is often framed as such. And I think in a sense, just historically and in the present climate, we can view Jewish joy as a form of resistance. And I'd love for Mm -hmm. us to um, hear anything that comes up for you on that, Karen. First of all, I absolutely love that. I'm actually writing it down. I'm going to quote you. (laughs) View your joy as a form of resistance because, you know, I'm so immersed in it that I don't think of it, you know, I don't think of it sometimes quite as clearly as that. And I love that. And I mean, what you're saying and, you know, I say it in a different way, but it's exactly what, what you're saying, which is, you know, for thousands of years, we've been urged to diminish our Jewishness in, in non-Jewish spaces. We've been conditioned not to show Jewish pride, as you say. It's, you know, head down, let's get on with it, you know, let's fit in and all this. Yeah. And well, it's a survival it, mechanism, yeah. It's a survival mechanism. It's Again, it's the way mm-hmm. we've been made to feel, you know, the, yeah. the shame around around it, you know, changing our surnames to fit mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. disguising, you know, I simple story that I didn't, I didn't think about till I'd done it. The irony of it was uh, about, when was it? It must have been about a year or so ago. I was, I live in London, very tolerant city considering, you know, for Jews, I feel very comfortable here. The area where I live is, 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 is not a Jewish area, but plenty of Jews. And I had to make a 10, 15 minute walk um, across my town to another part of town where we were doing a photo shoot for for Hanukkah. And I was going to be in this photo shoot and I was wearing um, an ugly Hanukkah jumper. And it (laughs) said, the irony of it was on my jumper. It said, um, tis the season to remind everyone that I'm Jewish. And it it had like mug and dovids and all kinds of Hanukkahs. And it was really kind of ugly Hanukkah style. It was great. Now, I, without even thinking, I did this 15-minute walk in with a coat over this jumper. I didn't feel, and I still wouldn't feel comfortable to walk out my house and do that 15-minute walk with that jumper on as is. Mm. Unless I'm really thinking mm-hmm. about, like, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and why do we feel like that? You know, like I say, it's a tolerant city. There aren't anti-Semites on every street corner around here. There really aren't. And it's just, it's how we've been made to feel. It's what we've been brought up. It's 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 subconscious. It's inherent. And mm-hmm. it's time for us to reprogram that urge collectively together by having conversations like we're having putting out to the world. And I don't know if either of you have read um, Ben M. Freeman's book, Jewish Pride. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. (laughs) That quote that you love from Lore, I'm pretty sure it originated from Ben's episode that we did. Oh, I must listen to it. Yeah, we did. We did converse. um, We definitely did talk about um, just having, just being able to be in this space and have a conversation about Jewish life and Jewish pride was a form of resistance was the gist of the quote. Um, but yeah, there is, we did have a wonderful conversation on intergenerational trauma um, with Ben. Yeah. And it's, it's a great episode. It's, it's, and you know, and, and things like Jewish weddings, um, it's, 
very natural to us to sort of celebrate and to dance and to you know it's it's an occasion that many families look forward to from from the birth of their children and it's just like yeah. that is not what well, well, not the word the word I was, I was going to say was sort of that's allowed you know that kind of Jewish choice of that. <laughs> do you know what I mean because it's like it's safe it's traditional it's cultural and it's the very height of Jewish joy it doesn't get better for me than a horror at a Jewish wedding um but what about the day-to-day stuff you know what about that and let's yeah let's be proud Jews and 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 try to try to reprogram um what we've been told we mustn't do um for for thousands of years um yeah I don't know what you guys have to say about that yeah I mean it I think it's really interesting what you just brought up sort of the differences between Jewish joy that is quote-unquote acceptable by sort of the larger public and even by Jews themselves um because there's so much assimilation and shame and and um uh, what, what's the word we were using a lot? Not, it's not shame. Uh, denial. Mm-hmm. A lot of denial of you mm-hmm. know, what the Jewish experience really looks like and what Jewish life really looks like. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about weddings being a, a permissible place for Jewish joy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's so funny, too, because even as I say that, you know, I'm thinking of, of one of the most visceral examples of a Jewish wedding for me is Fiddler on the Roof. And that mm. scene is mm. one where they are attacked and, yes. and their wedding is completely destroyed, you know, and, and, you know, it, obviously Fiddler on the Roof, it, it, it's such a good example of the Jewish experience, right? It's like this sadness, this mourning, but also this joy and the music and the bittersweetness of what it means to be Jewish. Um, so I don't mean to tangent us, but it just popped into my head. <laughs> no, it's, and it's, no. in fact, that wedding scene is one I always really to it's so beautiful you know because in this day and age often as law knows law's in my bride's club which is my private so we've got the big platforms and then we have a sort of smaller private community which is more i'm more able to help people individually and uh inside that club you know really get to, to to get to know the brides and what they're going through and a lot of the stuff is you know family dramas or pressure to do something or other or they can't decide between this venue and that venue and this guest doesn't want to turn up and that parent these kind of issues and i always not always but i i sometimes every now and then remind everyone about the fiddler wedding because it had no budget <laughs> it had no decor do you remember just the beautiful candles mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't get more stunning than that it had um it had so many things that we, sorry, it didn't have so many of the things that we stress about, yet right. it had, you know, that deep love between the couple, which I would say, if you if you get to marry your soulmate by the end of the day, it's been the perfect day, like nothing else, nothing else matters. Um, and it has um, the music, the traditions, the emotion, and, you know, it's just about reminding us of really what's important about a wedding, and I mm. love that scene. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's absolutely epic, isn't it? It's defining. It's it's the music, though, isn't it? It's just every yes. and that when he when he sings "Sunrise, Sunset." I mean, yeah. it's just it's everything, mm-hmm. isn't it? <laughs> that is the song that my mother danced with her late father to at her wedding. Um, oh. so it holds a specific place in in our hearts as a family. Mm. Um, it's, I'm, I'm trying to sit with how I'm feeling about, you know, Jewish weddings is just like, 
a permissible space for Jewish joy because I'm noticing in my own planning, like I'm noticing myself making considerations um, about who I trust to be in attendance and to bear witness to the joy of a horror mm. um, or are you going to do the chairs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are <laughs> much to, much to my, uh, fiance's <laughs> terrified. <laughs> like he is, he is absolutely, he's just sheer terror. He's like, I'm just get mother. chairs with oh, arms on chairs with <laughs> yeah, arms no, on and the people that you nominate to lift, they mustn't be into alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no heavy drinkers that is, lifting. That is, and those are my two top tips. Um, that, that is our entire families. But, um, but, you know, I'm just noticing, you know, like I had a conversation the other day just about someone else Um and explained to a mutual friend of a person I've ultimately decided not to invite to my wedding that I um, don't feel I can trust this person to witness my Jewish joy and not make any jokes to other people after the fact outside mm -hmm. of my wedding. I absolutely believe I could trust this person to behave at a wedding. Mm -hmm. um, but I care very much about not worrying about how the our buy-in to our customs, to our traditions, and to our joy is perceived. I shouldn't have to worry about that. And in a room that will be comprised of half non-Jews, it is a consideration. Well, what I've seen, um, you know, it's non-Jews love a Jewish wedding. And, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. One thing I will There's say... <laughs> There's a lot of, but one one thing I will say is we have to bear in mind that these people might not know what's going on and they don't understand anything. Mm -hmm. And again, it comes back to that inclusivity um, number. And what I recommend, and again, I don't know if this pertains to this particular individual, but just what you're saying about half the half the guests not being Jewish, is is a, is creating a wedding programs. I was going to say seat. that a program. That there you go. I love that. And you know what? Not only describing the traditions and what they mean and why, you, why you've both chosen to include Decided them, I think, is nice as well. But also, like, maybe you could write a little paragraph describing yeah. your fiancé. Mm -hmm. He could write so, so, you know, because there's always that other thing. You know, sometimes at a wedding, everyone knows normally just one of the couple and you just kind of mm -hmm. don't really get to know the other one till, if they give a speech, you know. That's why I wanted to give a speech, by the way, because I didn't want to be the mute bride that, you know, everyone <laughs> says, oh, doesn't she look pretty? But that's it. So, um, you know, so little thing, little touches like that, you know, your how you met story, anything, make it fun, you know, and and have one of those on every seat, and it just makes it um, more inclusive. You can also have elements, you know, the the seven blessings. You can have that um, in English, maybe one in yeah, English, one we in do, Hebrew. We do plan to do those in English. We've, yeah. you know, really, it's funny. It's like at this point, we feel we have our ceremony designed in a way that is so representative of all the things I felt so strongly about including, um, but has in a way that's also opened it up um, to, I think, Lovely. everyone in the room and incorporated a lot of what you're saying. And I find myself, I don't know if it's the presence of alcohol and me having trepidation as someone who doesn't drink. Mm. Um, I just find myself you know, worried about the reception. I find myself, you know, thinking about who 
gets to bear witness to my joy. And ultimately, I think mm. that um, that that's just a hard part of, of wedding planning is who do you want to share that space and that day with? And how do you reconcile that with um, well, anyone that you, hurting people's that, feelings? That you've <laughs> even got a 1%, you know, concern about strike them off the guesses. You know, it's a great way <laughs> that's to, how to I narrow down. <laughs> that's yeah, how narrow I down the guests. You know, um, I'm a big fan yeah. of more intimate guest numbers. I don't believe in a cast of unknowns, you know, to create an, an inverted commas atmosphere. I think much better have every, you want every person in that room so excited for the two of you, so thrilled for this yeah. union. Mm. And anyone else can not be, you know, leave leave them out. That's a great way to, to cut mm-hmm. down your guest list. And another sorry, I'm getting to wedding planning tip mode. But my <laughs> other no, we're my, <laughs> my other big tip is your biggest budget expense is the number count. So, you know, every time you, you cut cut a guest, that is that's the biggest way to sort of and yeah, even if you've got a decent budget, spend more per person and and you know, it's so important just to have that, those people there that uh you know that, that are just going to be so invested and thrilled to, to be there mm-hmm. yeah and you, you i think you're both really touching on sort of the mental health aspect of this right like mm, you know definitely. laura I, I can imagine that for you that is what you're thinking about like how to get through your wedding in a way that feels good to you and to, and to your well-being um mm-hmm. and you know that can be really difficult and so i guess you know with the theme of this podcast in mind, Karen, you know, what do you think or what has your experience been in, in, in your experience of your mental health and embracing Jewish joy? You know, has that changed things for you in terms of how you relate to yourself, your self-esteem, you know, um, different yeah. things like that? So my biggest sort of is what, tip or what my biggest piece of advice is let go of the idea of a perfect day. You know, I think Mm. that's what creates a lot of the angst. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a baby mustn't cry while I walk down the aisle. Um, (laughs) You know, the food has to be the perfect temperature. You know, the cake has Mm -hmm. to be everything. It's everything. Yeah. And it's just so anxiety inducing that whole kind of concept. So um, we definitely want to to, um, let go of that idea. And like mm-hmm. I said earlier about life and, 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 you know, the big things in life, we never plan for them. The, the, the elements of your day that will be the most memorable elements that will just stand out for being the most incredible moments of the day will be the elements that you could never, ever plan. Mm. So, you know, you'll do what you'll do. You know, it'll be a glance, a momentary glance from, from someone or, so, you know, it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be again, something that you just couldn't even plan. And so it's just about, doing your best in the planning stages and then letting go on the day to just let you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself I'm just living every moment of the day for what it is and again just savoring all that joy there's so much to be joyful about and what a shame if we let our you know negative thoughts creep in or anything like that so um yeah, it's not easier said than done, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Karen, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your time, and, and we are nearing sort of a wrap-up time. Oh, no, span. I want to spend all my time with you. Nothing <laughs> yeah, else I just comes say, close. You know, so I, I, I really, I recently recorded with um, 
Karen to make an appearance on her Your Jewish Life podcast. And we had the same experience where we just were not <laughs> ready. <laughs> and our conversation definitely went longer than um, she probably had anticipated. And just, just, we weren't quite ready. And I just think it's very funny that that's happening again. And I think it just, you know, also is a testament to the energy that you bring to a space care. And I'm just really thankful. Well, I'm glad you're sharing. I'm glad, right now. I'm glad this episode is focused on joy because spoiler alert, um, my episode with law, which hasn't come out yet is the first episode <laughs> where both my guest and myself were in tears and you can like yeah, really hear it oh, wow. she made me cry like sobbing wow. <laughs> it was so emotional um and totally unplanned of course I'm just the interviewer you know <laughs> so big emotions in a big way <laughs> yeah it was amazing I mean to be in that sort of interviewer mode professional whatever and to be right made you know strip it all away and just wow it was amazing i can't wait for that episode comes out i think in in early august um awesome. but yeah let's keep i i i've got a few more minutes <laughs> i want to keep chatting to you <laughs> kind of clinging on to the you know being in the same room again together that i don't want to let go yeah. of that well that I memory mean, too quickly <laughs> sure we could pivot a little bit to that you know yeah um, that was joy that was joy all, exactly we all met um at the tel aviv institute's lab it's a think lab, basically. Yeah, Jews Talk Justice. Um, yeah, the Jews Talk Talk Justice Think Lab in Tel Aviv. And that's where I met you for the first time. I think that's where Laura met you for the first yes, time as well. Yes, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I feel like that whole experience was like the definition of Jewish joy in a lot of ways. Just oh, it was. Just being with each other, you know? Well, the connection is was mm-hmm. the joy, wasn't it? Just Absolutely. these people, like most of us had never met one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, all, we're all kind of doing such different things but there's that yeah. common strand and you don't realize till you actually meet people doing you know similar things to you that how isolating it is what we're doing kind of each and so just to be together mm-hmm. and then to have this newfound network and just oh and just to have the luxury of no distractions for three days from our families or whatever else and just focus mm-hmm. on each other and what we were learning mm-hmm. and obviously being in Israel and we were treated to so many incredible experience. I mean, it was just a life. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, I will never, it, I, 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 I can you guys put it into words? <laughs> no, I can't describe hard. it. In it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, reemphasize what you said just about like being together and that often um, existing as Jewish online can feel as though you're in a bit of a silo that there's yeah. a very, you know, small but active community of Jews speaking about being Jewish online. And within that community, it's a bit stratified. And, you know, people are very connected to a few other people that they're very connected to. (laughs) And and there's nothing wrong with, you know, finding um, people that you're more connected to within Mm -hmm. a larger group of people doing something that you have in common. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is... Um, it can often feel hard for, you know, Ash, you mentioned earlier that like my page, um, in a similar fashion to Karen's did, um, really grow in the pandemic and as a direct result of people looking for 
a certain thing that I was providing. And then when I made a pivot into the Jewish online space and decided to start speaking more about my experiences as a Jew online, um, I did feel very isolated. I felt like it was hard to make connections with other people who were already doing this work. Um, and the Jews Talk Justice Lab in Tel Aviv was really the antithesis of that. Um, yeah. And I don't know how many times Ash will hear me say this on this podcast, but like <laughs> I have looked for Jewish community my entire life and not been successful in finding and establishing it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, in, there were so many moments where like, I, I really, I found the way I showed up in that space to be very interesting because I, um, and someone who really tries to embody the idea of like taking space and making space because I'm aware that it is my predisposition to take more space in a room or or conversation. Um, And I felt the opposite of that in that room. I was just taking it all in. I wasn't, I wasn't really contributing. I wasn't even, I had thoughts. I had things to say. I think Mm -hmm. I spoke up in a group learning session once across the You wrote a lot down. I wrote, I wrote like a mad woman. Like I just, my hand was flying across the page, but I was just taking it in. And there are very few other experiences in my life where I've even been able to, but let alone chosen to, mm-hmm. sat back. And and for me, it was, community was an overwhelming piece of that. Understanding mm-hmm. that everybody else in the room um, was was connected to me in some right. way. And, and yeah. I haven't had that. And it was just a really incredible, beautiful, it's not to say that, you know, everyone in that room instantly became best friends in three days. And, you know, we all talk all of the time, every single day. It's like, it's not like that, but it is, there is something there's that was bond. shared. Yeah. There's a life, life that I don't know that can life. be replicated. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I agree with you. It cannot be replicated. Um, I can't, it's very hard to describe um, the impact and, you know, in a few words, it was just, everything it was everything yeah. and yeah my heart just feels full when I when I even think about it the thing that keeps popping into my head you know about the um time that we had in in Tel Aviv is we got water bottles little cute little um branded water bottles <gasps> you just reminded me that I didn't have a water bottle <laughs> I didn't I, I was supposed oh. to reach out and try and oh, get you need to I've got a funny story to tell you about the water bottle after you oh yeah <laughs> I ended up talking about the water bottle all right go for it but go so on, in any Ash. case the water bottle has this quote of Hens um and it's something I'm going to paraphrase but it's something along the lines of I'm going to love being Jewish 10 times more than anyone hates me for it it's and verbatim I think, actually except for the gunner yeah. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, I love yes, I love being more than anyone hates yeah. me for it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that is such a representation of, you know, our time together um, at the lab of this, you know, conversation of your work, Karen. Um, and I think it's just, it, it can really encapsulate so much of what we're trying to accomplish, I think, as yeah. as a collective, you know. Well, my story is, I'm not sure if it's such a happy ending or not, we'll decide, but um, 
Um, my daughter, I've got two daughters, age seven and eight, and my seven-year-old had a birthday party about a month ago. And for her birthday party, she had a sort of gymnastics, circus, acrobatics thing, I don't know what. Um, and it was in this, this, this hall and shared with a few other friends. And they, they were told they had to bring water bottles with um, to this party. And she forgot to bring a water bottle to her own party. Luckily, in the car... I had I have this one, so she brought it in, <laughs> and obviously, plen- you know, mostly non-Jewish kids in there. No one's looking at the water bottle. It's not doesn't whatever it is, it is. And then um, they do all their gymnastics and whatever else, and then they sit down to have the birthday tea. And she's having the water, and she's staring at the water bottle. And obviously, she's that age where you know they just want to read everything because they can suddenly like actually read properly. So she says in front of her friend, she says, I love being Jewish. <laughs> like, no, 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 don't, read the, don't read the second part. Because it's embarrassing, you know, for kids to think that like hate even comes in. Like, it's just, it's too complicated a concept. Mm. And, you know, I'm trying to raise really, really proud children, Jewish children. And I, I think I'm doing a great job. You know, they are proud. They do speak out. They don't live to their non-Jewish friends. And it's so heartwarming because I think when I was growing up, I didn't have, you know, I was already... There was, already, there was already that subconscious shame and, you know, you, talk, you didn't talk about it. And it's just so wonderful to see them. But it was when she was reading that sentence, she couldn't quite understand what the X was, you know, about anyway. So she kind of stumbled over that bit. And I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it just says I love being Jewish. And, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind her reading that. But it was like the fact that, you know, I don't want her to get to, like, what people hate me for being Jewish. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was She's only mm. seven. So uh, that was a funny one. That was uh, not necessarily a bottle for a, for a seven-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really about the context in which people grew up. Like I, um, I unfortunately did know by seven years old that people hated me for being Jewish. And I know that um, many Jews had that experience and many Jews did not. And um, it's unfortunate. um, But I think that, you know, you're doing something so important through your platforms and in your life, Karen, just about emphasizing joy and pride and, um, you know, and, and really you had brought up Ben Freeman's book earlier, but like the Jewish pride movement, that really is what it's about and understanding why it's so important involves the contextualizing of like anti-Semitism as the world's oldest hatred. But I think I know I can do a better job in my day to day of living in the joy. Um, Mm. And it, because it becomes very easy to be bogged down um, and focus in a, in a fairly myopic way because it hurts so much on Mm. um, the, the hatred that comes, comes my way either directly or indirectly. Um, So, you know, something I am committing to is, and have been trying to, to recommit to is, finding the joy in my connection to Judaism and um, trying to stay rooted in it while being aware of everything else that is going on around me. But I think it comes back to this idea of Jewish joy as resistance. One of the most Mm -hmm. impactful things I can do, um, aside from educate, which I have a personal commitment to doing, is live my life joyfully and beautifully. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that is a beautiful place to wrap up, Laura. Thank you for that. 
Um, thank you, Karen, for your time and for giving us an extra 10 minutes. I totally appreciate it. <laughs> um, it was awesome to connect. Uh, I haven't spoken to you since uh, we were in Tel Aviv. So it was really nice to, to hear your voice again. And especially that accent. I love that accent. Um, <laughs> so for those listening, um, where can they find your work if they're interested in learning more? Sure. Well, I would love anyone who's listening to drop me a DM at your Jewish life on Instagram. I love conversations and getting to know people. And if people are thinking about Jewish joy and ideas and they may be struggling how to get it into their daily lives, we've got a, a brand new sort of little checklist um, awesome. called 30 Ideas for Instant Jewish Joy free checklist. So if you go to yourjewishlife.co slash joy we'll put it in the show notes as well yourjewishlife.co slash joy and it's a cute little cute little list um that will get you feeling jewish and proud all day every day (laughs) and sorry karen am i correct in saying that you also have an upcoming workshop on jewish joy is that i do it's actually this sunday so for anyone listening to it after june the 5th 2022 um, it won't be relevant, but if you're listening to it live or in, in the next day or two, I would love you to come to my Jewish Joy workshop. It's a free workshop. It is primarily for women. It's because we are going to own our Jewish female power at this workshop. We are going to lean into the strong, resilient Jewish women that we were born to be, and it's going to be incredible. Lots of music and um, uplifting and just fantastic. So that's happening this Sunday, and if you want to save your space, it's free, as I could say, you just go to yourjewishlife.co slash workshop, and I'd love to see you there. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Karen, for joining us today. Um, you can find Karen will add her handles um, to the show notes as well, um, but at Your Jewish Life and at Smashing the Glass for her wedding-specific community. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I feel I've certainly got a big smile on my face speaking <laughs> to you too. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling all the Jewish joy. I'm, I say my heart is full just thinking about our, our shared experiences and this now on top. It just, it's just, I'm just a very lucky girl. <laughs> yeah. As are we, as are we. Thank you again, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, have a beautiful rest of your day. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on Kvetching on the Couch. As a reminder, we use this space to talk about difficult subjects, although today was a little more fun. And Mm -hmm. so it is of the utmost importance that you do at least one thing to take care of yourself today. And maybe that something can be Jewish joy. Yes, especially, you know, keeping in mind that this was our high episode to life, l'chaim, um, Figure out what brings your life meaning and root yourself in that. We hope that you heard something that you'll take with you from today's episode. And next week, we'll be talking about Jewish intergenerational trauma again, because it is such an extensive subject with uh, Dr. Jen Wolken. And because we had to take it back to, you know, we spent an episode on joy and now we're back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, we know where our niche is. Um, but. We are very excited about that. And you can come and quetch with us about Jewish intergenerational trauma next Thursday, June 9th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, this episode recording will be posted on the Colin app and then it will get pushed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I should have that up uh, in an hour or so. You can keep up with me and Ash on social media. My handle is at the Healing Happy Cook and you can find Ash at, at Bad Ash Therapy. All information will be provided in the comment section of the episode. 
A big thank you to January Sunshine for all of the music that we play, and the biggest of thank yous to those of you who joined us today. On the couch. Have a great day, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.